Hey, I'm Rob Adler, and welcome to Understanding Upstate. It's the podcast dedicated to exploring what makes upstate New York such a unique place. Each week, my co-host Jim Search and I dive into a new upstate topic to better understand what's up upstate. And today, we are talking about Binghamton's Masonic Temple. Yes. And it is... Oh my gosh. It is quite the building. And we're going to like talk a little bit about Freemason history in upstate New York. I think in, in general, um, it's... To describe the building itself, if the Ghostbusters opened a Southern Tier <laughs> franchise, this would be their headquarters. Yes. I've been for... <laughs> For those uh, are thousands of speedy freaks out there, millions, mm-hmm. I would even say, millions of speedy freaks out there. More speedy freaks than there are Freemasons themselves. <laughs> That's right, man. Uh, so for those for those speedy freaks out there who have never been uh, or have seen the uh, Masonic Temple in Binghamton, I feel like that's mm-hmm. a really great description. Of Thank like you. if the Ghostbusters uh, opened a Binghamton uh, location because you know ghosts are so sure so prevalent uh, in the Binghamton world. Uh, we have an episode on it, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It might be episode two or three. That's right, man. So this would make sense. Um, but yes, like architecturally, <laughs> it's like a stone building with like six gigantic columns in the front and like yeah. two just like giant like wooden doors it's yeah it's a pretty uh i would say imposing building uh i was literally gonna just say imposing and that's why we are a team that's true that's true but before we we jump headfirst into this uh this topic i've got a little surprise for you oh man but it does relate to uh the region we're in Mm -hmm. or the region we're gonna be discussing today are you prepared it's kind of a show and tell. So you're going to... Okay. I'm going to share something with you. And since this is uh, pretty strictly an audio medium, you're going to have to describe... Sure. ...what you're seeing. Uh, are you are you prepared? As I'll ever be. Here we go, Jim. This is... Oh, my gosh. What is it? A book I have purchased. Yeah. So this is... <laughs> so for, uh, again, since you can only hear us and can't sure. see anything it is a book called titled southern tier volume two by arch volume two uh, implying <laughs> this is, there is another volume there's a road sign that has all a lot of the major cities in upstate new york specifically the southern tier elmira horseheads mm-hmm. owego waverly there's some there's some pennsylvania in there too like when you're talking about the southern tier like you mm-hmm. can like kind of scoop in uh like some part of PA because like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know similar similar region Binghamton is like you could walk to Pennsylvania like it's like sure. maybe like I think five that's miles. what this guy on the covers do Yeah there's also like <laughs> I'll hold that up there I want to tell tell yeah, the, yeah. tell the streets what's going on here So uh yeah we got uh, I'll, I'll kick it from the top we have Elmira Horseheads Owego I was delighted to learn that there's a town called Horseheads they have the uh the explanation of that name oh, shit. in this very book Well shit there <laughs> it is man um I'm familiar with that uh then Sayre PA Athens PA Binghamton 
is in there. Mm-hmm. Endicott. Jim, there's three chapters on Binghamton in this book alone. Goddamn right there. Should be five. <laughs> uh, Binghamton, Endicott, Johnson City, and Deposit. And there's a kid on the front who, like, it. Lo- he looks like one of those, like... Um, uh, like old paintings <laughs> that you'd see in like a diner, sure. you know, your Norman Norman Rockwell esque yes. uh, picturesque Americana. It in fact is uh, inspired by one Tom Sawyer. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say there's 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 a, a chapter about how Mark Twain spent some time. I think he met his wife in upstate New York, or she was from upstate New York. She might have been a bit younger than him. That that um, would make sense. But not as <laughs> the age gap is not as disparaging as it was in our previous episode where we reviewed the rewrite. Yes, <laughs> where uh, the sexual predator Hugh Grant's character uh, was dating like a woman like twenty five years younger. Anyway, uh, you guys remember mm-hmm. that episode, and if you haven't, go back and listen to it. It's great. Um, but yeah, uh, that book's what like so. D- okay, so yeah, let me let me give you the the breakdown of what this book is. Sure, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Jim, this is one of at least twenty books that this author Arch Merrill has written on upstate New York. Really? Who is this <laughs> yeah. dude? I've never fucking heard of this man. He is referred to as the <laughs> as the poet laureate of upstate New York. Real okay, yes, strong title. Yes, I found this uh, this book on eBay. Of course, sure. uh, I will sometimes when I'm looking for like episode ideas, I'll just go go to eBay and plug in upstate to see what pops up mm. because I found like you'll get some good results that you wouldn't in uh, in Google or a traditional like search engine. Right. Because uh, if you put in upstate, you're going to get a lot of universities. You're going to get towns. You're going to get blogs, right? Like you have to do a lot of digging. Right. Um, and I found things like this book. I found that Prince has an album uh, called Upstate. Really? So it's like a live album uh, that he recorded. Or was recorded. Where does it say where upstate? I can't remember. It was either Rochester or Syracuse. I Love, it. Say. Um, Love it. Again, like that never popped up, right? That's going to be hit 3000 or something in, in Google. Um, and I kept seeing a bunch of books by this guy. I was like, well, what the hell's the deal here? Right. Uh, so I started reading a little bit more about him. <laughs> and each of the books uh, on the uh, like the dust jacket or the flap it says something effective. This is Arch Merrill's 13th regional book. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. And it says that 20 times. <laughs> yeah. Just to remind you, just to make sure you can't, you won't forget it. <laughs> I'm just going to read some, some titles of, <laughs> of the oh, books. Oh, Jesus. Cause they're, they're great. Uh, one's, one's upstate echoes, mm. uh, unusual stories embracing the whole of Western and Northern New York state. I will be purchasing that book. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, the land of the Senecas, um, just going into different, uh, Native American histories. This is perhaps my favorite title, Slim Fingers Beckon. Well, (laughs) all right. It's the story of the Finger Lakes. Okay. Uh, if you couldn't tell. Yeah. (laughs) Just, uh, some real, again, he's the poet laureate of upstate New York. What else? What else are you going to expect? Right. Um, this this particular edition is from uh, 1953, and as you can expect, 
anything from 1953, it has a high chance of being slightly racist. Uh, uh, and there's a little bit. There's a little bit of that in here for sure. I would think so, man. As I am thumbing through right now, I'm seeing words I'd rather not. Um, so it's yeah. This will be a source of uh, some information for for future episodes. Okay. And uh, yeah, basically the I think the the reason he was able to amass twenty books is because he was a a journalist. I'm forgetting in which town, but in upstate New York, I think in Rochester. And basically, each book is a compilation of like different articles and stuff that he right that he wrote. And this is uh, this is one of those volumes. Man, well, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued what uh, what racist shit uh, Arch has to say. <laughs> it's more the uh, the terms that were colloquially used to describe people that weren't white. Sure. Like, I'm sure it's, like, colored and, like, engine and, like, fucking horrible shit like that, uh, because yep. that was 1953, and... Yep. And worse. I'll say it's worse. Okay. I believe it. Again, <laughs> I'm sure way worse, because uh, that is the sign of the times. Indeed. Uh, well, Arch, uh, I hope uh, you did some uh, DEI and sensitivity training uh, in the afterlife and saw that perhaps you were wrong. And how you address those people. Well, that seems like a good point to pivot <laughs> to our main our main topic. Shall we uh shall we move on? Yeah, let's uh let's get into it, shall we? Let's talk about the Masonic Temple. Yeah. I think Right, it's important to uh, kind of establish what is a Masonic temple. What is a Freemason? And I'll be honest, Jim. Everything up until eight a.m. this morning, everything I knew about the Freemasons, I learned in the hit film National Treasure, starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and I would say a pitch perfect uh, way of learning uh, who they yeah. are. I think. I think to your point, though, I think it's probably better to before you get to a Masonic temple. Who are the Freemasons? Right. Yeah. So. This is as per the uh, the wonderful world of Wikipedia. Obviously, there's millions and millions of articles and resources, um, but I will I will give you what Wikipedia has to say, Jim. So that means I should be prepared to be here for about twenty nine hours. <laughs> it's one of the deepest Wikipedia pages I've ever seen. I like clicked on. I was like, I should like familiarize myself with mm-hmm. the general history. I spent about one minute on there, just like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Cage did did enough for me. I'm good. <laughs> and I think also, this. yeah, like that. I feel like that film will give you what you need for what we're about to talk <laughs> about. If you're if you're hell bent on learning more, but we're I think in the interest of uh, of the show, just going to give you like a quick snapshot of what's happening here, right? So, Freemasonry, or Masonry, refers to the fraternal organizations that trace their origins to the local guilds of stonemasons that, from the end of the 14th century, regulated the qualifications of stonemasons and their interactions with authorities and clients. So, in layman's terms, they're people who built shit. 
out of stone and were the union, it feels like, that regulated who and how things are getting built, et cetera, right? Yeah, it's back, back in the time of, like, uh, guilds and, you know, there was a lot of um, skilled skilled trades, skilled labor had had a group like this, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you had to be an apprentice. You had to, like, work your way through the organization to, like, get the official stamp saying you're, you're like, legally approved to work in this trade right Right, exactly so it's kind of like the like precursor to a union if you will Mm -hmm. so modern masonry broadly consists of two main recognition groups regular freemasonry which insists that a volume of scripture be open in a working lodge which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. that every member professes belief in a supreme being that no women be admitted, sorry ladies, I can't be a Freemason, and that the discussion of religion and politics do not take place within the Lodge. That sounds like a recipe for some awful things to be said, (laughs) if I'm going to be frank. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, like, anytime there's a group of exclusively dudes hanging out, I immediately just like I don't know, guys. I'm gonna go hang out by myself. Yeah, <laughs> good. And then when you then you tack on like we don't talk about religion or politics, it's mm-hmm. like well now I know how you feel. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? I get it. So yeah. that's one group. Now the other group, the Continental Freemasonry, consists of jurisdictions that have removed some or all of these restrictions. So there seems to be another group out there that little little more uh relaxed on I'm assuming uh religion and politics. Not the women though. Not the women. I think maybe the rewrite might be their favorite film. <laughs> <laughs> That would track. Now, mm-hmm. now that we've established who they are, where do they hang out? Tell you. A Masonic temple or a Masonic hall within Freemasonry is the room or edifice where a Masonic lodge meets. Masonic temple may also refer to the abstract spiritual goal and the conceptual ritualistic space of a meeting. Now, in this case, it is the more tangible building or edifice if you will which in binghamton new york the masonic temple is located on the west side the best side no argument there yeah no no no. maybe there might be a little bias uh for me personally as a uh west sider myself uh but the Masonic Temple is located on the west side at 66 Main Street. And as we uh, said before, it is enormous. It is yeah. 60,000 square feet. Five w- floors. It's huge. It's enormous. And it's abandoned. <laughs> it's currently currently abandoned. And it's an impressive structure. It, it is. For, it yeah. honestly is. It like architecturally it's fucking amazing when we were in binghamton shooting our documentary understanding upstate <laughs> that's right baby <laughs> clearly uh, we're great at coming up with names for things um we drove by it and if correct me if i'm wrong there's nothing else like it around like it's a pretty residential area right i think there's maybe a gas station nearby but like there's no other super tall buildings or anything like it's 
it is a fixture of the the block that it is on. Exactly. Yeah. Like around the Masonic Temple, there is a gas station across the street. Mm-hmm. You are correct. Next door to it was a CVS. But that's closed. Right. And then if you go like kind of like because it's right on Main Street and then the cross street there is Murray. So if you go down Murray, yeah, it's all houses and they're all just like regular, like freestanding, maybe two, maybe three stories. Um, There might be like a larger apartment building a little bit deeper into the block. Mm-hmm. It's in a, a, a interesting part of town in that like these temples usually like when you see one they're they're in, like the the downtown part part of a part of a city right yeah um so and this is a little bit removed from that yeah it's probably like if I shooting from the hip here I'd say it's probably like I don't know five minutes from downtown Binghamton so like maybe like a fifteen minute walk ten minute walk. Yeah. Um, so a little bit, as you're saying, it's a little bit removed. Uh, and I'll, I'll say to, if anyone's curious to see what it looks like, Hey, I definitely recommend you look at pictures of this place. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. But if you do, if you, if you go, if you go to Google and just type in like Bainton Masonic Lodge, you're going to see some pictures. Again, it's, it's abandoned, so you're not going to see official pictures. But what you will see are pictures of <laughs> incriminating pictures of people <laughs> trespassing uh, <laughs> with themselves in the picture. Right. <laughs> Just like standing on the roof. Jim, I haven't seen such beautiful sweeping views of Binghamton since I watched the rewrite. <laughs> like, but seriously, like it's the they they were trespassing on a beautiful fall day. You can see these beautiful like valley shots of Binghamton with the autumnal colors. Yeah, uh, beautiful view because again, there's like it's not downtown, so it's like you can see you can get a sense of just how large this building is for the part of town is it's in, but also just in general how big it is. Uh, and then if you want to see inside of it, Jim, again, people in Binghamton don't give a fuck about incriminating themselves. Not There's so a great much. YouTube video from 2013 <laughs> uh, <laughs> where um, a group uh, group of friends are breaking and <laughs> entering into the building. And they, I can't understate how incriminating it is. The very first thing that you hear is, hey man, do you want to explain what we're what we're doing? And the guy goes, Oh, we're breaking into the Freemasons temple. Well, meanwhile, superimposed on his face is text that says Binghamton, February 28th, <laughs> 2013. Just so there's no question about it. They're absolutely breaking and entering. Jim, do you know how they break in? I'm very curious about this. No, I well, I have an idea. Um, but <laughs> there's I think there's like a side door, maybe that like No, they go I think they go for the main door, because it's that like the yep. beautiful wooden doors that are like chain <laughs> padlock and chained. And they they grab a uh, the post from a street sign. How do I know it's a post from a street sign? Because they put text explaining that they've also <laughs> vandalized a street sign. They grab it, they put it in the chain and just 
keep twisting it on this like no fucking half way. inch thick chain busted open it's like eight minutes of them walking through it's pretty grainy footage uh but again it gives you a sense of the state of the inside of this building and the video ends with a dude calling everyone over to look at the pigeon he's caught and then they all pet it it is a it's a wild the ride fuck, <laughs> the fuck is this man like it's bingham's in 2013 oh god that's what it is that's everyone's maybe a little bit drunk uh one guy almost falls out of a window it's great <laughs> it's great yo i know exactly what i'm gonna watch after we get off uh from this because this sounds fucking incredible <laughs> uh this is and like again we can't understate how massive this place is like mm, yeah i mean it is there's a 830 seat first floor theater yep. in this building it used to host the uh, Tri-City Opera. That's right. Uh, ballets and other community performances, which... There is a... Uh, I believe there's a bowling alley in the basement. Mm-hmm. Where it used to be. I vaguely remember uh, my sister having like a, a dance recital at the Masonic Temple. Like in that uh in that theater so like th- again this is like very much like hazy memory but like it was a gigantic space there's a ballroom on the second floor banquets and billiard rooms and then on the top floor were devoted to like the lodge rooms now yep. this is like this place is like like the stuff of urban legend like in binghamton how old i think it it uh, was finished in like 22 or 23. Yeah. So like over like a little over a year over 100 years old, right? Yeah. So like yeah, this is like this place is like the stuff of urban legend. Like, you know, there's so many like I remember just like haunted stories of that place growing up and like when you were saying like these motherfuckers broke into that building I'm like you cannot pay me enough money to go in there dude like that place is fucking terrifying even in 2013 like it was it was in rough rough shape just from the video like it's the whole thing is pretty much gutted uh there's gotta be mold growing on top of mold like it looks it looks pretty sketchy and i've been in some like abandoned structures in my time like this is yeah i wouldn't go in there man it it looks nope it looks real rough and (laughs) that reminds me there's one picture uh from the roof where it looks like there's a pool (laughs) <laughs> it looks like there's a pool on top jim there's no pool it's impending water damage oh my god yeah like just sitting water <laughs> it's not good i couldn't imagine a these kids just fucking running up in there but also they were not kids they were like 30 all right <laughs> i can't imagine these alleged adults right we're gonna yeah. put adult on paper uh doing some boneheaded shit of like going up in this fucking building because yeah. like it's yeah it became like a slum like as of mm. 2023 uh july the the temple at may at 66 main uh went back out on the market because uh, the bank foreclosed on its former owner isaac enzerut which oh, yeah. he he like that's a whole literally oh, let's yeah i've got so many news articles on the more recent saga. Should we uh, bring things back uh, 
that's the teaser. The teaser for where we're gonna head. There's there's uh, a lot of um, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of people have tried to do something with this space. Yeah. Uh, should we kind of bring people through uh, the life and times of the building a little bit? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think that's smart. So again, this is such a massive, massive structure that, as you were saying, was kind of like a cultural hub for just the greater Binghamton community, right? Yep. Um, and one one might be saying like, how the hell did, how the hell did they like need such a big building, right? Right. Uh, and I was doing a little bit of reading into just the history of the Freemasons and trying to like specifically find information on the like the Binghamton chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Binghamton Lodge, um, and more kind of more general the first information i found was and we talked a little bit about this but this is like the oldest it's the oldest fraternal secretive order however you want to describe it in the world right Right. it's super old but it's i don't know if it's still the largest but it's certainly at one point was the the largest it still might be i think kind of all these organizations have dropped off quite a bit in in terms of like membership, right? Uh, like I don't know any Freemasons, <laughs> right? I don't either, man. Can't say I do. Uh, as reading, there's like an an NPR story about just like the decline of the Freemasons, mm-hmm. uh, and in 1959, 4.5 percent of all American men were Freemasons. That's fucking wild. Like this was a huge, huge group. Uh, and I think this, this was from like 2020 membership has fallen off by about 75% from, from that. And I actually found a ledger, uh, for the Binghamton lodge from 1902, uh, which is again, about 20, 20 years before this huge, huge lodge was built, but they had about 500 members in Binghamton uh, in, in 1902 in Binghamton, uh, Binghamton alone. Right. Um, you know, a lot of different towns in, in the southern tier have their own, uh, their own chapters. Which you could probably go out on a limb and say that, like, five hundred members in Binghamton in nineteen o two. There's yeah. probably like twelve thousand people that live in Binghamton in nineteen o two. So that's a substantial number of people that are a member of this organization, right? Yeah. You throw a speedy, and you're gonna hit a you're gonna you're gonna hit a Freemason. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, if you wanted to, uh, you could totally do that. So I was reading um, just a little bit about Freemasons in upstate in general, just trying to like get a sense of how influential or how big of an organization it was, and I kept getting. <laughs> kept getting this uh, kind of crazy story that like with the Freemasons, there's obviously a lot of conspiracies that fly around with them and what they do or what they've done, the influence they've had um, to the point where you might cast Nicolas Cage in a movie that depicts them. <laughs> right. Um, but this is like absolutely uh, something that, that happened uh, in upstate New York with upstate Freemasons. Um, basically, and this is back uh, back in the 
uh, 1800s. Right. This came from that same NPR story that was kind of talking about the decline. And they were saying, this isn't the first time that membership has declined. It also declined uh, in 1826 because the Freemasons disappeared a man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, time to go. Uh, Yeah. And that's not a, a selling point of the organization. Right. <laughs> well, so it's the interesting thing too is uh, so this this guy his name was William Morgan. Uh, this is like seventeen late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds uh, in the town of Bata- Batavia. Batavia, but- yeah, it's right oh, near. I got it. First try. Yeah, usually. Yeah, I was gonna say we've uh, with Appalachian <laughs> we've stumbled out of the gate. I'm gonna try today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, gonna try. not gonna go for that one. But uh, no. Batavia, you got that. Uh, that's nailed actually, it. It's right near uh, Rochester, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like Western Western New York, right? Western New York. Yep. Um, and so this guy William Morgan had joined the Freemasons, right? And when you join, you put your hand on a Bible, you're like sworn to secrecy. Uh, and William was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to write a book <laughs> about this shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sir. <laughs> right. That's like, aside from being a woman, it's the one thing you can't do. Yeah. Don't, uh, <laughs> don't have a vagina and also don't talk about us. And he's like, right. well, half of that I can do. So he he basically partnered with an, another guy whose last name was Miller, and who gave him like an an advance, right? And uh, I'm going to try and paraphrase here. Sure, you know Freemasons got wind of this, so there is like an attempt at burning his uh, newspaper's office. Okay, he was then uh, thrown in jail on like. F- made up uh made up charges like basically supposed non-payment of a loan and allegedly stealing a shirt and a tie then uh which you would (laughs) have been the debtor's prison was a thing at this time right uh miller bailed him out from this jail in (laughs) i'm gonna try and say this one can canada canadagua canadagua Man, that's a tough one. That's the home of Danny Wegman. And oh, the Wegman, yeah. The Wegman uh, Empire. There we go. Uh, so Miller Miller uh, bailed him out of Canadagua, and then they got him on a supposed uh, $2 tavern bill he didn't pay, threw him back in jail. Um <laughs> While he's while he's in jail again, a group of men go to the the prison, convince the uh, jailer's wife to let Morgan out. Which, <laughs> how does she have the fucking keys? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But glad she sure. did. Sure. Um, they then brought brought him to a waiting carriage, which arrived two days later at Fort Niagara, uh, and shortly afterwards, Morgan disappeared. He was safer in jail, man. Yeah, pre- presumed presumed dead. Um presumed dead. And the interesting thing is this whole incident, uh, again, he's like trying to write a book on them to kind of reveal the secrets, what? but oh. his disappearance and potential murder started the anti-masonic movement as a, like a political movement in the United interesting. States and like it like took off. No shit. Uh which is which is fascinating and that that we can hazard to say is what led to the decline of membership and the uh i guess the the 
dec- decline of the organization, right? Yeah, well, so that, yeah, that was in 26, and there was, like, a big dip. Um, this is the only other time there's been a big dip in, in membership. Sure. Uh, <laughs> which uh, is pretty pretty crazy. You know, whether they actually murdered him or not, we don't know, but, like, his disappearance and jailing uh, totally, totally happened. Um, yeah, and also, like, I feel like, you know, you build the case of, that they had something to do with it since like as soon as i don't know if it's coincidence that as soon as we found out my man was trying to write a whole book about this all these trumped up charges started to pop up he started going to jail and then all of a sudden he (laughs) they they spring him out and then he's never heard from again like Flash forward 200 years, you can look at pictures of their meetings on Facebook. So <laughs> I think some of the some of the mystery is gone. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like, uh, and obviously things things have uh, changed a little bit. Um, but yeah, so there's this dip in membership, probably a good, pretty good dip in New York itself. <laughs> right. Right. If that's where um, that's happening. Uh, but again, by the 19, almost 80 years later, early 1900s, uh, membership's pretty good. Uh, particularly in, in Binghamton, uh, there's actually a, a boom of building, like a construction boom around 1920, 22. Uh, again, I was, we were talking, uh, off mic. Uh, I was reading a lot of newspaper articles, uh, about the temple. Uh, and in 1921, which I guess that's like that's when um, Endicott Johnson is like kind of at its at its peak, right? Like sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it hasn't started to see its like decline at all yet, right? So like things are things are looking good in Binghamton, right? Um, at at that point, but there were four hundred thirty five building permits in nineteen twenty one that were issued, and the building permit for the Masonic Temple was the absolute largest. The total value of those permits was seven hundred over seven hundred thousand dollars, and the singular permit issued for the Masonic Temple was a third of that. Two hundred fifty thousand, which like almost a third of that. Which sorry. like today is like a I multi million dollar operation, right? Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, because. So yeah, it, it, it's kind of it was interesting to see that you know the 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 planning of this building was tied to this you know this real real time of prosperity for sure for Binghamton uh, and it makes sense again like you when you're driving around that building almost slaps you in the face you're like holy shit what is what is that yeah why is this here I mean again it's really like the it doesn't like fit around everything else like it's just uh it's almost like sim city where like some little kid just like was like (laughs) let me put like a like a rundown gas station a closed uh convenience store and then a community center that's like that no one has ever seen before Right. It's SimCity Urban Blight Edition. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, I mean, it's a, uh, and again, it is a, again, we've said it a million times, but it deserves to be said again that, like, there is nothing like this in Binghamton. 
like in terms yeah. of architecture and i mean one would argue like the uh you know the courthouse downtown is kind of of mm-hmm. the same style but in terms of size like it's one of the biggest buildings spatially uh in yep. in downtown or in Binghamton New York uh so and it's you know it's certainly uh again passed a lot of hands throughout the years like there was yep. talk of it becoming like housing for seniors then it was like well, so the the Masons were the first people to try and do that. Right. Actually, they tried to convert it into apartments. By 1975, the the Tri City Opera had uh, moved to a new theater called the Capri. I don't know. If I have not. That? I have not heard of that. Probably not there anymore either. But they, <laughs> I found an article from 1975 where they were like trying to talk up the Capri. Sure. <laughs> they were also trying to convince people that the uh whopping increase uh of ticket prices from 250 to 350 mm. would be worth it. Yeah. People were upset in that $1 increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, a simpler time. Uh but they were they were trashing the the uh the temple uh <laughs> auditorium or theater like the the uh the seats had bad line of sight. Mm. Uh the the stage was small. It was a horizontal layout. People who are like close to the stage couldn't see people entering, <laughs> entering from the wings. Like it's like, all right, settle down. Yeah, relax. <laughs> you don't have to like tear down the the uh, everyone's memories of the the Masonic Temple. Um, but yeah, it, it seemed like you know with the opera moving on, 1975 could have been um, you know a beginning of the beginning of the end, right? Where things are kind of. Uh, uh, starting to move elsewhere in town, sure. Um, kind of wind down a little bit for the temple, which now brings us to uh, the more the more recent storied uh, history of what's been going on. <laughs> what's been going on in this building? Yeah, and it's surprising that it's like it's still there, right? Like people, a lot of different people have tried to do something. With and it. I think, like with that. They've run into, and I, I was, I saw there was an article about it, uh, is like how much money it will cost to do it. Oh, like, yeah. You know, the mayor at some point was just like, yeah, it's going to cost you like millions of dollars to even get in the door to then fix it. Yeah. Just to gut it. Just to gut it. And then on top of that, you have to like put even more money into it as well. So it's like, I just, I think. People who I think companies and people who like take on this job of of fixing it up then just are like, oh, wow, this costs a lot of money. Fuck it. And then they're out. So like, you know, as of like recently, uh, Isaac Enzerut, who slumlord in Binghamton, who has had a lion's share of those properties seized, which whole other conversation but interesting when he did have the building he didn't lock it up (laughs) hence why it turned into a flop house for the unhoused in binghamton i mean shit like if you look at the pictures of it like it's like covered in graffiti 
on the inside and like there's just god knows what i mean shit in 2003 a body of a johnson city woman was found there several days old in the bit in the basement which like yeah this place like uh is a hence again another reason why i would not be setting foot in this fucking building no and it's like it's you know, after uh, after sunset, man. Again, it's just in a residential area. Like, there's just not much going on around it, right? Like, it's it's not remote, but like, man, yeah, I don't want to be in the basement of that fucking place. <laughs> like, nah, man. Anyway, uh, like I was saying, you know, the mayor, uh, Jared Cram, uh, estimates that it would cost, like we were saying before, like tens of millions of dollars just to shore up the building before spending more millions of dollars to renovate it. Now, the uh, mayor... So the bank, uh, Harkness Commercial Realty Group, Mm -hmm. are the ones that now have the building. So the bank is uh, seeking $400,000 for it. Now... That's... uh... (laughs) <laughs> the price here's the thing the price keeps going up um i've i saw a couple different purchases over the years right um, one was 20, for like 7500 bucks yeah 2015 dude got it at a tax auction uh john deal got it for 7500 bucks and then yeah couldn't do anything with it he wanted to make it a, a music hall and community art center and the, it's that'd have been fucking great yeah yeah Th- get the bowling alley up and running come on yeah dude that would have been uh that have been a dope uh dope look for uh for binghamton man but every single time someone buys it it gets sold back to like or like broom county basically repossesses it and then it goes to a bank and then it goes uh, like right i think i think broom county is making a pretty penny on this <laughs> yeah <laughs> this property just just this, uh, playing a three card Monty with it. <laughs> yeah, this albatross of a building uh, yeah. that that seems to be there. Uh, what I can say though is uh, Harkness Realty um, has pledged to better secure it, to keep vandalism out, hmm. and clean up the overgrown weeds and trash that are strewn about the property. Because when I say that there is, when they say that there is overgrown weeds and trash strewn about the property, that is very accurate. Uh, there is a lot. People are just throwing shit there because nobody gives a fuck about it. To to speak to uh, the Freemason craft, I think any other building of lesser quality would have fallen apart right long ago. Like it's as on some red Reddit page, uh, talking you know with looking at people talking about about this. So like yeah, it's like built like a built like a goddamn tank that's why it's still there right like every everything inside is gone or you know all the furnishings have have long since fallen apart or been removed but like the shell of the building is still still there right yeah i mean and to your point it's like yo these were the best of the best of people who were building buildings so it's like no wonder that this building built in like 1920 with no sort of like uh whatever you want to call it like uh, upkeep of it once it went yeah. into disrepair is going to it's going to stand the test of time so 
you know, I, I look, mean, that's that seems to be all. Yeah, all it's doing. Yeah, exactly. But it's doing a good job. And, you know, I do hope, you know, as a uh, as a Binghamtonian that like something does come of it because it I mean, it is like a historic monument, uh, a, a informal uh, historic monument in Binghamton. And like there at, has so much potential. I mean, shit, like I uh, said at the top, it's 60,000 square feet. Like that's an enormous space, and it's one of the taller buildings in Binghamton. Like on that side, because I mean, you have like the state office building in downtown Binghamton, which I don't know. I think that shit's like twenty five stories, maybe. It's okay. like that's yeah. the tallest building. Which I side note, like I uh, went, I went in there once uh, for a uh, for a party uh, on the top floor, and you cool. get to it's pretty impressive like i mean look binghamton from the the roof of this five-story building the masonic temple looked awesome so i can't imagine 25 floors. yeah it was it was and it's crazy because you could see like into other towns past binghamton so like you could see johnson city you can see endicott like you can see like the entire like what like shenango valley like the west side, you you, know, you see all of the west side, and then you turn around and you can see the south side because it's a panoramic shot, like right. around all of Binghamton, which in fucking credible, folks, in fucking credible. <laughs> um, so you know that is that's what I have uh for our good friends at the Masonic Temple. Uh, hopefully, no one is currently in there uh being horrific and uh Indeed. being okay and safe. In Indeed. Well, yeah, that's about that's about all I've got for today. Should we uh, should we clue people into what we're going to be talking about next week? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, we got a we got a good one coming up uh, next week, mm-hmm. which you know I would say our uh, our teaser, if you will, uh, off the cuff here is that uh, make sure make sure you bring your salads for next next week's uh, episode because you might find something on top of those salads when you show up or your burgers uh, i'll say or your burgers because you could do that too yeah you yeah. could do that uh you know i wouldn't i wouldn't tell you how to eat uh <laughs> you know come out here man bring your food <laughs> you know just bring anything bring it bring whatever food you want actually you know what while they're uh, trying to decide between salads and burgers what are some things uh, that uh, our speedy freaks could, mm. uh, could consume uh, auditorially? Sure, sure. Auditorially, I don't know. <laughs> you feed you feed your stomach, and then you mm. feed your soul mm. with what I'm about to tell you about, mm-hmm. which is my comedy album, Upstate Understandings. That, my friends, will feed your soul with laughter. Ha <laughs> ha. Produced by Rob Adler. Hey. I'm on the jokes. Regal Monk is on the intro and outro music. Uh, shout out to Adam Russell for the design of the album, uh, the uh, album art. Uh, it is a, it's an incredible piece of work. If I have to say so myself, uh, it's pretty dope. So you should definitely go buy a copy of it. It's available at gymsearch.bandcamp.com. Uh, so get your ass over there and buy buy them all. It's yeah. the new year. Make a resolution to spend more money at gymsearch.bandcamp.com. 
that's what I can say for you uh, to do. Now, you finish, you you listen to the album, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, God, that was funny. I want more. Rob, is there anywhere that they could possibly go to get more? What? Where can they, they go? They can stay on Bandcamp and pop over to my page, brooklynfrequency.bandcamp.com and check out my album, which has no jokes in it, but it has some great tunes in it uh it's an instrumental album called new york sticky it's inspired by disco go-go funk hip-hop uh and it's yeah just some uh, a really nice collection of some pretty good background music uh like if you feel like doing some urban exploring and you need a soundtrack (laughs) and you've got your street (laughs) post you're ready to bust open some chain links new york sticky's your album (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, if you want to, if you want to, you want to <laughs> trespass. That's there, the music to listen there to, man. We uh, as someone, as someone who did in fact purchase that album, I can tell you it is very dope. And I uh, brought it to the beach one day and had a really fucking great time listening to go. it. So, also, let's say when you're done trespassing, you want to head to the beach. There you go. Hey, look, as long as you're at the beach. Like before, what, 6 a.m. or after dark, you'll be trespassing. So you can do both. Why not both? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So just know that your your soul can be filled <laughs> with, the, with the joy of trespass. Well, after you're done trespassing, <laughs> if you've bought both of our albums, you should also rate and review our show. Uh, if you... Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and you throw a review in, a positive, a positive review, hopefully. You can also throw in a suggestion for something uh, in upstate New York or something from upstate New York or a person, just any kind of upstate-related suggestion. You get the idea. We just might cover it on uh, an upcoming episode. So do that. Make sure you also subscribe if you're not subscribed to the show. Hell yeah. Share this episode with a friend that needs to learn about the binghamton masonic lodge and uh yeah i think that's all we got for today should we uh should we wrap this puppy up yeah man how how are we gonna get out of here what's our what's our clever pun jim uh usually i end on a pun but you're not a member of the secret order of the speedies so i can't (laughs) tell you i can't tell you it's a secret doesn't get better than that that's it Understanding Upstate is a podcast hosted by Jim Search and Rob Adler, edited by Rob Adler, and music from Regal Monk.